Church, today we're going to continue in our sermon series uh, entitled <clears throat> God Is. And as I've been telling you every single week this month, that God is blank, that you fill in that blank. And today we're going to be talking about how God is loving. In James chapter 1 verse 17, it tells us this, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows in church. That is something that each and every one of us, we should be so thankful for the fact that God does not change no matter what we do. So today we're going to be talking about how God is loving. And, and church, I want to pose a question to you. Have you ever felt like God can't possibly love you? I'm talking about, you know, that, that you're struggling so bad and things are going on in your life and you just feel God could not possibly love me. And so today what we're going to do is I want to look at an attribute of God that is most widely believed, but it's also the most often doubted attribute of God, that God is a loving father. You know, there are two, those two words, loving father, can create challenges inside of each and every one of us. And let me tell you why it can create a challenge inside of us. See, we all have dads. If you are here, you had a father, right? Someone helped create you. And you maybe had a really good dad. You, you maybe had a really good dad. Maybe you didn't have a not so good dad. Or maybe you even had an absent dad in your life. And so what can happen is it can be a struggle for us to conceptualize the enduring, the sacrificial, infinite, unconditional love of our Heavenly Father because some of us have not experienced that from an earthly father. It is because what we try to do is we try to put God's love in our own human terms. And you realize our human terms they fall short. They fall extremely short. And so in human relationships, right, we have conditional love. You're like, oh, no, I love unconditionally. You, you really don't. <laughs> you say you do, but you really don't. You know, because conditional love, it's filled with ifs, you know, maybes, because, you know, I love you if you do this. You know, I love you because you've done this for me, right? See, God wants you to not only know that his love truly exists, church, but he wants you to believe it and not just believe it, but he wants you to receive it. You have to be able to receive God's love. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, I got a lot of good scriptures for you today, church. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this, see what great love the Father lavished on us. I want to stop right there for a minute. Do you understand that word lavished? That you're lavished on. It doesn't mean that God kind of sprinkles a little bit out of you. I'm talking, he dumps a bucket full right on over top of your head. So it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we can be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they did not know him. Church, you are a child of God. You really are. You are a child of God in today's world. We have two types of people when it comes to this verse. There are shouters and there are doubters. You know, the shouters are like, I am a child of God. No, no shouter from the rooftops are claiming all the time. This is who I am. I am a child of God. But then there are the doubters, right? The doubters is this. If God is a loving father, why would he love someone like me? Because I'm a smoking hot mess, right? That's the way we look at it. But if we're honest... Shouters even become doubters at times. Because you are moody, church. You really are. You're a moody people. One minute you're here, the next minute you're over here. You can't decide where you're at. 
All of us are like that. And, and even those of us who have an incredible, I'm talking an incredible amount of faith, there are moments when we stop and we doubt God's love for us. And we have that thought process. Can God really love me? Does God really love me? And as we talk about this loving father, maybe, church, perhaps you had a great dad. I had a great dad. I, I'm really, really blessed. I had a great, I had a great dad. Perhaps you had an absent dad. I'm talking, he was nowhere to be found. Or someone that was just a bad dad. Didn't set a good example for you. Maybe your dad was great. You know, he took you fishing. I mean, he sat down and, and talked to you at night about your life and, and the things you had going on. And, and, you know, showed up at your games. You know what I'm talking about? A, a great dad. Or maybe you're just thinking this morning as you think about your dad. It brings up some pain and hurt. But regardless of how you grew up, here's what we need to do, church. We need to acknowledge something. Our experience with our earthly fathers and our earthly relationships can shape the view of our heavenly father. It's true. How many of you ever questioned God's love for you? See, if you've ever searched for approval, I'm talking about like affirmation, acceptance. You, you really and truly need to know, church, that somebody does love you. And this message is for you today. If you struggle in those areas, I, I believe with all my heart that God has brought every single one of you here today. If this is your first time visiting here with us, I want to welcome you. But I want to tell you, there's no accidents. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in pure luck. God has designed for each and every one of us to hear this message today. And those of you, maybe you're watching online, are going to hear this later on. You know, somebody, someone is trying to speak to you today. You know, church, people speak things over our life. They do. People will speak things over our life. And, 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 you know, maybe you own it. Maybe you discount it. You push it away, whatever it is. You know, maybe someone has spoke over your life and they told you you were worthless. Maybe someone said you would never accomplish anything. Maybe someone declared things over your life or, or labeled you in a negative manner because that does happen, unfortunately. God wants to remind you I want to remind you today, you are not who other people say you are. You are not. You are not who other people say you are. You are who God says that you are. That's who you are, who God says that you are. And you are more than what you have. And you are more than where you're at today, church. You really are. He has called you. I'm talking about he has equipped you. His spirit lives inside of you. And today, our main text is going to come from Luke chapter 8. And I want to look at a scripture where Jesus interacts with a father. So if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 8, we're going to start in verses 40 through 48. Follow along with me, if you will. It says, on the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. And as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who 
touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt a healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him, and the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Verse 48 says this, Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So I want to put this in terms that you and I can understand where we live today. So you, you've got like an earthly father. We all do, right? An earthly father. And he does, Jarius does what any good father would do if his daughter was dying. He, he does exactly what it was. He, he, he did anything he could to heal her. So think about this. So the Bible tells us Jairus was a leader in the synagogue. And I want to give you a little bit of historical background here, right? A religious leader in the synagogue, most of them, if not all of them, church, they did not like Jesus Christ. Had no use for him, right? He's stealing our jobs, basically, is kind of what it was. And, and so they had no use for him. They didn't like him. And so this guy, what he was doing, he had a sick daughter at home, so he was willing to risk his reputation. He was willing to risk his job to go to Jesus so his sick daughter could live. So he's a good dad. He's a good dad. He, he goes after Jesus. And what did Jesus do, church? He agreed. He said, yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah, I will walk with you. I will go to your house. So the Bible tells us, right, Jesus is walking along, and there's crowds around him, right? And he's walking along, and the Bible says Jesus suddenly stopped. I want you to think about this in the way we would be looking at things. Jesus suddenly stops. So now he's on a mission to help this struggling dad whose daughter is dying, and he suddenly stops. Let me tell you what that's like. It's like if you had a pregnant wife who is in labor and you're driving to the hospital and suddenly you're like, you know what? I'm going to go to Burger King, get a fry, a burger, and a shake while your wife is having a baby. Okay? Right? It, it, that's the way we would kind of look at it. it. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You, you know, you've got to get there. So can you imagine his dad, him, Jesus agreed, I will go to your house, my daughter's dying, and suddenly, we're like, come on, Jesus, let's go, and you're going to the house, and suddenly Jesus stops, and you're like, whoa, what are you doing? My daughter's sick, my daughter's dying, and you said you would come with me. And you know, I can't help but believe Jerry's dad was a little bit disappointed with Jesus in that moment. I'm just putting a human perspective on it, church. Disappointed with Jesus in that moment, disappointed and maybe even completely disillusioned with him, right? You know, hey, why are you stopping? I told you my dire emergency. We might even be able to say, church, this morning, at this moment, his perception, his perception of Jesus and his view of Jesus might have changed the moment that Jesus stopped walking with him. Do you realize that can happen to me and you? It does, church. It can happen to us. Maybe your dad called you something when you were a small child, when you were crying. I'm talking it really hurt you. 
right? Or, or, or maybe your absent father worked constantly and had zero time for you, was never there for you. Maybe you didn't know your father. Maybe you didn't know him personally, but you had like a, a coach or, or a teacher or, or a friend or a parental figure that, that said something to you that hurt you really bad. I mean, it cut deep. And this caused a wound inside of you and you became disappointed Maybe you became disillusioned with that person. And then church, you know what? Here's what happens. Our earthly relationships impact the view that we have of our heavenly father. I can't tell you how many times people have come in my office and they're pouring out their hearts. They're struggling. They're hurting. There's all these things going on. And then when you start talking about Jesus with them or you start talking about God, they're like, oh yeah, he ain't ever did anything for me. And when you get down to the bottom of it, they have daddy issues. And so they're translating the way their earthly father treated them into their heavenly father, not understanding that he is there. And so these misconceptions, church, what happens is it, it gives us a view about God. So I want to give you three lies that people believe about God. And the very first one is this, that God is judgmental. He judges me by my mistakes. He judges me by the things that I've done wrong. You know, he, the truth the truth about that church, God is compassionate. He's compassionate. Psalm 103, if you'll look at this with me. Psalm 103 verse 13 says this. The Lord is like a father to his children. Did you hear what I just said? The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Church, we are fragile, right? We really are. We are fragile. I don't care how tough you say you are. You're fragile. But God's care is eternal. His care is constant. And too often we, we focus only on God being the judge or the lawgiver, ignoring his compassion, his care for us. We examine, we, I mean, we look at how God examines our lives. But I want you to be reminded, church, he also knows our human condition. He knows who you are. He knows your struggles. He knows your weaknesses. But listen, I did not just hand you a blank check, okay? That don't mean you say, oh, God knows how I am, so he knows that I struggle. I'm just going to keep doing this. You know, you're looking at it completely wrong. Our weaknesses should never be used for the justification of our sins. Make sure you get that today. Your weaknesses cannot be used as justification for the sin in your life. But his mercy takes everything into account. He knows us, and God will deal with you compassionately. The second lie is this, God is always angry. You know, people have that, that conception that, you know, God's sitting up there on the throne. He's just waiting for me to fail. He, he, he's wanting me to mess up so he can punish me. You know, he's going to lose his temper and strike me down. People seriously look at it that way. That's a lie. Do you realize how patient God is with you? You definitely don't even have close to the patience with people that God has with you. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, it says this. It says, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and in faithfulness. In faithfulness. That's the truth, church. Third lie that people believe is that God is hateful. That our God is hateful. That there is no way that our God can love someone like me. 
You know, I've messed up too much. I've committed too many sins. I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, right? You hand it off to God today, and then you do it again 20 minutes later. And you're like, how could God love somebody like me? Let me tell you, church, in Romans chapter 5, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says this to us. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I want to really and truly break that down for those of you who maybe have kids or maybe you have parents that looked at things like this this way. Like, hey, if you do this, this, and this, then I'll give you this. You know, if you prove yourself to me, then here's what you're going to get, right? But if you look at that, Romans 5 verse 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't say, well, if you get to a certain level, I'll send Jesus down to help you out. He didn't say, once you get here, then you can be saved. No, he didn't say that. It says right there, he sent Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still a mess. Church, God is full of love. He's a loving father. Now, I want to go back to the two sick ladies, right, and their dad. I want to refresh your memory because I really went down a wild trail on you right there. You know, there's a 12-year-old who's sick, right? She's dying, and they have no control over that situation. She can't get up and go to Jesus, but you know what? Her daddy can, right? And then there's a woman who's been suffering for 12 years. She's bleeding, and she can't find a cure. Church, do you understand how serious this is about this woman? Because of her disease, because of her disease, she was considered ceremonially, can't say that word, but it's all right, unclean. She was unclean. It means nobody wanted to be around her. So for 12 years, she couldn't be touched by anybody. Nobody would have anything to do with her. She was not able to love someone. She couldn't even be hugged or or kissed, church. Nothing. Nothing. For 12 years. I mean, she was completely abandoned, completely ostracized from society. Anything she even sat on became unclean. And now she had to go on her own behalf. The 12-year-old girl, you know what? Her daddy could go for her, but this woman was all alone. Nobody there to help her. See, both girls needed a healing. Please pay attention to this today. I really want you to get this, okay? The truth is, no matter how you grew up, church, no matter how you grew up, we all have wounds, right, that are in need of healing. Every single one of us, we got a wound. We've got some hurts. We've got some pains that are in need of a healing, and the healing only comes, church. The healing will only come when you experience the love of Jesus Christ. That's where it will come from. So how do we experience the love of the Father? There's three ways that we can experience the love of the Father. And the very first one is this. He walks with us. He does, church. He walks with us. That's what God does. God walks with you and I, right? Jesus was walking with Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He was walking with him. He was heading to the house to see his sick daughter. So he was physically walking right there with him. So whatever your situation is right now for you personally, maybe you're on that mountaintop high. I want you to know Jesus is there with you, enjoying the view that he gave you, right? Maybe you're clear down in the valley where the mess and the nastiness of life is happening to you. Guess what? He is right there with you. He's right there. 
Jesus says he'll walk with us. He says, you don't have to walk alone. I will walk with you. Man, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, listen to this. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I love the part of that verse that says that he goes out in front of you. I talk about he's clearing a path for you. You know, for those of you who, who like to go hiking in the woods or, or, or walk through fields, right, there's that path. You ever get in that, the grass is like this tall and there's no path, and you're like, I got to go through there. I remember taking my kids, they're like, I ain't walking through there, what if there's snakes? There ain't no snakes. I guess I lied to them, maybe, I don't know. And I remember I would go through there and I, I'd be like with a big stick, just whacking a path for them. And, and they would see a path, they'd go, and wait for me to clear another path. But they would stick so close to me, you know, swinging a stick, boom, hit one in the head. But you know what? I was clearing a path for my kids. Mm, that's clearing a path. The Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never, never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He will be with you, church. And there are many people here today, you're walking alone. I'm serious. You're walking alone. You might be surrounded by people, but you're walking alone. And here's the news flash for you, church. It's your choice. That hurts, doesn't it? That's your choice. If you are walking alone, you are choosing to walk alone because God says he will walk with you. He will be with you. I can't even imagine church walking alone. I can't. I don't know how people in the world that does it. Man, in the job I have, I got a front row seat. I'm talking, I've seen people go through horrible, horrible family situations. We're talking deaths. We're talking sicknesses. We're talking about drug abuses and all these horrible things. And, and I see these people and they're just a mess, understandably so. But they don't have any hope because they're trying to walk at it alone. I know the messes I've gone through in my life and I'm so thankful that my God walked through it with me. That he sent people to walk through it with me. That I had a church family who would walk through it with me. So maybe you're walking alone through life this morning. You know, all the challenges that you face, I'm talking about the bad news, you ain't got nobody to share it with. No one to walk through it with you. You found out a family member's sick or maybe have died and you find yourself walking alone. You're walking through life. Maybe somebody betrayed you, church. I mean, they really hurt you bad and you're walking all alone through the pain. Maybe it's something really good. Maybe you got a promotion, right? You got a promotion at work and you're looking for someone to celebrate with. Walking alone really stinks. It does. It really stinks. But when Jesus walks with you, it changes everything. When Jesus Christ walks with you, it changes everything. See, there's something special about walking with someone who loves you. There really, it's a very good feeling. You know, on this earth, you got someone to walk through life with you, right? That's why God gave you a spouse. If you're not walking with your spouse, you need to fix that up. It's good to, to walk through life with someone. If you're walking with someone who really loves you, it's amazing. Single people, listen to me this morning. Don't walk with people who just tolerate you. 
Don't walk with just people who, who will put up with you or, and don't walk with people who just want something from you. You walk with someone who actually loves you on this earth. And you go through life. And when you are walking with your heavenly father, this is what God does, church. He walks with us. Not only does he walk with us, second point I want you to get today is this. He stops for us. He'll walk with you, but he also stops for us. That's what Jesus does. So going back to the story of the woman with the issue of bleeding, guess what? He stopped for her, right? He's walking along, going to Jairus' house to heal his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter. All of a sudden, the lady who'd been sick for 12 years, she reaches out and touches his garment. And I just imagine Jesus just stopping like, who touched me? Right? Who touched me? He stopped for, God has been stopping. You realize this? God has been stopping since the beginning of time. He even set the example for us, right? In Genesis, right? He, he created the heavens and the earth and created everything. It was good, he said. And then what did he do on the seventh day, church? He rested. He set an example for us. He showed us what it means to be refreshed in him, to, to enjoy that time with him. Maybe this morning you feel unlovable. I want you to know, church, he stops for you. Maybe this morning you're feeling unworthy, and guess what? He stops for you. Maybe you feel that you failed so bad that you are beyond forgiveness. I want you to know, church, he stops for you. Maybe you feel unseen, overlooked. Maybe you feel like nobody will ever listen to you. Guess what, church? He stops for you. When you reach out to Jesus, guess what? He'll stop for you. When you reach out for him, he will stop for you. He will stop. He will stop where he's at to help you. And what he's going to do is he's going to walk with you. He's not just going to leave you behind, church. Seriously, he's not going to leave you behind. And I want you to know today, he's stopping for you right now. No matter what it is that you're going through, he's stopping for you right now. No matter what it is that you're facing, he's stopping for you right now. No matter how life has been hard for you, he's stopping for you. And the third thing he does for us is this is, this is really cool, church. He talks to us. He does. He talks to us. Do you realize hundreds of times in the Bible, God talked to people. Some of you, maybe you are very blessed. You heard God speak to you audibly. I'm talking about there was a voice. There was a voice. Man, what a blessing. I want God to talk to me every day. I'm kind of like that. You know, I, I, let me hear it, right? I want to hear it. But you know what? God talks to us in our hearts, doesn't he? he? He talks to us all the time. And so in this story, what did God do? Jesus, he, he talked to this woman. So let's look at the progression here for a moment. She, she goes to meet him because she's unclean. She's ostracized by her community. Then she comes to this place where Jesus had, and she's like one in the crowd. And you know what, church, when Jesus came around, if you notice the very beginning of Luke chapter 8 that I read to you, it says that 
They were waiting for him. There was always someone, that dude running in town. Hey, man, he's coming. So the crowd would gather. It wasn't like five people. It was like, hey, Jesus, how you doing? No, it was a crowd. And the Bible says right there that the people was pushing on them. You know, how can we know what it was, Lord? They are pushing on us all. So it was like a wild thing. It wasn't like they stood in nice, neat rows while Jesus walked through. No, they were pushing on him. And she goes there and becomes one of the crowd. She's just one of the crowd. One of the many people who needed to see him or wanted to see him. But here's what's crazy. Listen to me. But then she reaches out to Jesus. And the Bible says she was healed instantly. And then he looks at her. In Luke chapter 8, verse 48, he says this. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Did you hear what he called her, church? He called her daughter. He didn't say, hey, lady. He didn't say, hey, woman. He said, hey, daughter. He called her daughter. This is the only place in the scripture church that Jesus calls someone daughter. This is very significant. She goes from being one in the crowd. I mean, Tons and tons of people that suddenly he looked at her and said, hey, daughter. Do you know what that means, church? Do you know what it's like to be recognized in that manner? When my kids were growing up, there was times that they wanted to say, that's my dad. And there was times I wanted to say, that's my son's. <laughs> and there was times I'd be like, I don't know whose kid that is. <laughs> Somebody better get him under control. And there were times they would look at me and say, that's my dad, depending on what I was doing. And there was other times they're like, oh, dad, why do you do that? You embarrass me. But church, you understand how important it is to be recognized in that manner that you just aren't somebody in the crowd, that you got a name. And Jesus recognized this woman as daughter. Church, do you realize your heavenly father loves you so much, he labels you, and you're like, oh, preacher, labels aren't good. This one is. He says, you're my child. He loves you so much, he calls you his child. Some of you in your life, people have put labels on you. It happens. I know, I understand. People put a label on your life, and they're usually not good. But when you receive, church, the love of the Father, when you receive it, because you have to receive it, when you receive the love of the Father, he lavishes you with love. Remember what I told you, it's not a sprinkle, man. It is a full-on deluge over top of you. He lavishes you with love, and it takes away those labels that the world has given you. Remember, you are not who this world says that you are. You are who God says that you are. That's who you are. And he marks you as his child. As his child. You are a child from God, church. He calls you sons and he calls you daughters. That's who he calls you. So what happened to this little girl that was dying? I know you want to know. Go back to Luke chapter 8 with me if you will. 
Man, Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 49. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, remember, he, the woman just touched him, right? He's still in the crowd. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and he said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone about what had happened. Church, I want you to get something today. Maybe today, whatever you are in in your life, you feel like your life is hopeless. The situation that you're in, there's no hope for you. Maybe you feel like Jesus has quit working on your life. You feel that Jesus is distraction now and he's went and he's taking care of somebody else and he's lost his focus for you. Guess what, church? He can handle it all. He doesn't lose focus on any one of us. He can handle it all and he is not gonna quit. Maybe you feel down. Maybe you feel out. Maybe you feel that there's no hope. Man, I wanna take you to the very end of the story about the little girl that he just brought back from the dead in Luke chapter eight, verse 54. For real, listen to this. Listen very closely. It says, but he took her by the hand and he said, my child, get up. I believe there are some people here today that need to hear that that you are down and out right now. I mean, you, you have given up. You feel like there's no hope. And your heavenly father, he's reaching down to you and he's reaching with everything he's got. Some of you, you don't even see his hand because you're too focused on where you're at. But he's reaching down and he's wanting to grab hold of you and he's telling you, listen to me, church. He's telling you, my child, take hold of my hand and get up. You no longer have to be there. You no longer have to suffer like that. You no longer have to live in that muck, in that mire. I am offering you a hand, my child, my son, my daughter. Get up. Get up from where you're at. Church, do you realize who you are? Working with kids over the years, man, you ever notice? I think as adults, as we get older, we can look at a kid Look at a teenager, and you can see who they are. And like you can see the gifts, the skills, the talents, the abilities that God has given. You kind of look at them like, I know who you are, not in a bad way. But you look at them like, I can see who you're going to be. I can see the potential you got. But you know what our kids, they, they kind of look like that baby giraffe that's got them long legs trying to walk, right? They don't know how to use what they have and they're stumbling and bumbling all over the place. But you can let them say, Shh, I see who you are. I know what you got. And church, this morning I'm asking you, do you realize who you are? You are the child of the one true king. And it's time for us to act like it. To act like it. 
I want to read one last verse to you again because I want you to get it. And I ask the praise team to come up here this morning. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. I already read this to you once, but I think you might have a better perspective on it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. There's that word one more time, lavished. I mean, he's going all out. I'm talking it's fancy. There's a lot of it. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. And I believe it's time for us to act like it. Church, hear me out this morning. Maybe today you're sitting here in church and you might be looking at your clock going, man, that guy talks too much. You missed it. (laughs) Maybe you're sitting here and you're recognizing that God is reaching out to you and you're going to go from just being somebody in the crowd to becoming a child of God because you're recognizing you're missing something. Listen, God brought every single one of you for a reason here today, for such a time as this. And if you have never surrendered your life to him, you better believe that's why you're here, for you to surrender to him. I'm not talking about religion, not at all. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about it being real. I'm talking about, you know, relying on him, church. I'm talking about you talking with him. I'm talking about you walking with him. I'm talking about you living for him. Because that's who you were created to be. So I want to ask you one last question. It's a big one. Where do you stand with him? Listen, church, where do you stand with him? You cannot have that attitude like, oh, I'm all right with him. (laughs) You got to know that you're all right with him. And the only way that you're all right with him is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. He said it very clear, right? In John chapter 14, he said, there's only one way to the heavenly father, and that's through me. So this morning, this hits you hard. You're realizing you're walking alone. You're trying to do life on your own. It ain't working out for you really good, is it? You recognize that you need a savior. So if this is for you, I want to encourage you to come up front. Don't make it hard. You come up front, the elders will be up here. Kim will be up here. They'll pray for you. They'll show you what it is. Maybe you don't fully understand everything. That's okay. We'll help you and we'll explain it to you. And for the rest of us, church, Are you just one in the crowd? Are you just one in the crowd today? Are you recognizing who you are? That you are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, that means that you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then we need to be acting like it. We can't be acting like the rest of the world. We live our life for him. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing, but I really and truly want to encourage you to respond this morning.